Welcome to episode 77 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College Theological Seminary by my colleague, my good friend, my co-host, and the man who never imagined we'd record 77 episodes of this podcast, John Scott Sloat. Have we really reached 77? Yeah. It's... That's a wild number and, to think about. And if you count the test episodes that will never see the light of day. You can't. <laughs> cannot see the light of day. Uh, we're actually probably closer to 80, but um, that's part of the apocrypha, not part of the accepted canon yeah. of podcast episodes. Can you believe we sat down for uh, 77 straight weeks? Yeah. I, I guess we've thrown a couple episodes in the can before and released them, but – Like one, maybe two. Like yeah. Not many. That's not true. Many. We're going to have to – I know. I've recorded on vacation before and yes, I'm yes. going on the road here in a week or so and I'll record on the road, I'm sure. We are deeply committed to serving the people. Absolutely. Of, Free of, podcast content. Of all colors, whether scarlet or blue. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> on that note, uh, if you would like to connect with the podcast, we are on Twitter at Pod. You can email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. We do have a Facebook page. I think I just need to start taking that over, the responsibilities over because you're apparently unable to get on. Yeah, Facebook. Yeah, my, my Facebook account's gone. Okay. It's, it's, been, right. it's been hacked and deleted. Okay. Uh, so it, it's, you can just find us, Various and Sundry Podcast. Uh, and the YouTube channel as well, Various and Sundry Podcast, is available. We would love for you to do us a solid and go on to whatever platform you access the show and leave us a uh, a five star rating mm-hmm. and a glowing review and a and we had a new review this past week so we're grateful for that even if they come from the state up north. Yep, yep, and I will say I think we have more reviews referencing that school than reviews referencing. The school in Columbus, where we're more listened to, I would say. Is that a fair assessment? I'd have to go back and look. That, that, that could be. I mean, we, we definitely have more listeners in and around the Columbus area. Than... But, I, but I do think human nature wants to goad you, the Ohio I'm State sure. fan. I'm sure. Yeah, you, you know, the, the sure. sinful parts of people. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. So, uh, let's, uh, let's dive in to the world of sports. Yeah, let's do it. So NBA playoffs in full force here. Lots of game sevens. Yeah, it was, it was a fun weekend in that regard. It was. Yeah. Did you get to catch much of any of these games? Um, I kept up with the Clippers game. I watched a little bit of the Bucks. Uh, I watched them beat the Nets a little bit and I watched the Hawks. So yeah, okay. I, I kept, I caught several parts, yeah. parts of several. Sure. So um, I did not see Game seven of the Clippers Jazz series, but I did see. No, excuse me. I did not see Clippers Jazz. I saw game one of Clippers Suns. Clippers Suns yesterday. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. But uh, Bucks Nets was a fascinating series. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, that we'll get into this a little bit more, but uh, injuries, of course, played, played. a massive uh, role in that series. But uh, Kevin Durant single-handedly kept them in that series. Uh, James Harden was out there playing at maybe like 50%, maybe. Oh, yeah. Uh, and yet, you know, KD managed to 
to, to carry them, including hitting a ridiculous game tire at the end of regulation in game seven that if he had stepped back an extra inch, mm-hmm. would have won the game. Yeah. So. And then unfortunately or fortunately, depending on your perspective, missed the, uh, the, the, uh, the shot in overtime. Yes. Yes. A similar shot attempt. Mm-hmm. But he, you could just tell he was gassed. I just I, – but this is what drives me crazy. I, I mean the shot he hit to tie it, to send it to overtime was amazing. But I think this is the sports center effect. Everybody wants to hit the three or the long shot mm-hmm. to win the game at the, end of, and at the end of the game. Like you see this all the time. Teams that run great offense, they get the last possession and instead of running great offense, their best offensive player dribbles it out near half court until about the four second mark. Yep. And then takes some contested fadeaway step back three. It this hero ball, it's such bad basketball. Yeah. When you just think, get to the rim. Mm-hmm. Force the official to either blow the whistle or force the defender to make the choice of am I gonna risk make making contact or am I gonna like just like force the issue. Yeah. Especially a guy like KD. Like he's long, he's athletic, and he's going to get calls. Yeah, he's going to get to the rim too. I mean it's like two steps for him to get across the court. I just – it just drives me crazy. So uh, – but really it, it seems though – like actually let's talk a little bit. Hawks beat the Sixers. Yeah. It's got to make you feel better as a Knicks fan. It does. Well, the other thing that makes me feel better as a Knicks fan is the Nets lost. <laughs> yeah. Like like – all that hubbub for one one round further uh, than the Knicks. You yeah, know, that was. Though in fairness, they missed. They missed. They were missing two of their best three players, essentially. Yep. Yep. Okay. But in the annals of history, <laughs> okay, the Nets will have gone one round further. Um, but yeah, the the Hawks played really well. Um, yeah. Yes, but. Let's let's acknowledge that the Sixers did a major choke job. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, they blew like an eighteen point lead in Game Six on their on was on on the road. Was it Game Six? They blew like an eighteen point lead. I think so. Yeah, like into like towards the end of the third quarter, they're up eighteen ish, and they just collapsed. Well, and I think I think I saw a statistic where Ben Simmons only took like four field goals in the fourth quarter, like the yeah. whole series. Unacceptable for one of your stars. Yeah, that you just gotta wonder. Do they need to get rid of Ben Simmons? Yeah. I mean, you got to keep Embiid. Mm-hmm. But do you just got to get rid of, of Ben Simmons and try to get some draft picks? And because he's so, I mean, he's obviously, he's a great distributor. He's big, so he's a good rebounder. But he can't shoot. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to have a point guard out there that can't shoot and especially is bad at the free throw line too. I mean, they're doing the hack of Simmons thing. Like, yeah. you don't see that very often for, against with a point guard. Guards. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it might be time for them to figure out a way to get rid of him and get something back. But really, I mean, these playoffs have been defined by injuries. Yeah. You know, you think about Anthony Davis for the Lakers, and even LeBron wasn't fully healthy. Kyrie goes down for the Nets. Harden goes down for the Nets. Chris Paul is in the health and safety protocol. He missed game one. The Suns still won. Yeah. I think he'll be back for game two. Um, 
And it made Kawhi it, Leonard out for the Clippers. I it mean, does make you wonder about uh, you know the bubble, the quick turnaround in season, yeah. the the abbreviated season they had. Yeah. You know, all, all these things start to start to pile up. Well, and LeBron's been saying that on social media. He's he's made some comments on social media, which of course people take as sour grapes. You know, like excuse making. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he's got a point. He's got a point. I think so. There's there's something there. Yeah. Um, Interesting that the Clippers still beat the Jazz even without Kawhi in the last two games and uh, nearly beat the Suns in game one. And Paul George is going off, Mm -hmm. which raises the question, can he just not be Robin? Does he just have to be Batman? He has to be Batman. Yeah. No, that's a good question. I mean, it just feels like when there's someone better on his team, he just doesn't doesn't consistently produce. Mm-hmm. But when he's the guy, he produces. Uh, it just makes you wonder the long-term chemistry of that combination. Is that just not going to work? Yeah. I. Although he did okay in OKC, didn't he? Yeah. But they were never a serious contender for – and he wasn't playing with someone like who – was the, who was the best player on Ru- – the... Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Kawhi I think is significantly better than, than mm-hmm. Russell. I mean, Russell puts up big numbers, but he's he's not at that at the same level, in my estimation, as a Kawhi Leonard. Like yeah. I, I would put him in one of the as one of the three or four best players in the NBA. Mm-hmm. You know, Russell Westbrook is more like top 10, 12 best players in the league, even though he puts up the big numbers. Where do you put George in that? Uh, also, I question 15, 15 to 20. Okay. I also question the wisdom of wearing the number 13, you know? <laughs> that feels unwise. But then you're... you wouldn't have the cool nickname PG 13. That's okay. Call okay. him PG 14. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> really, anything else. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll see about uh, how that develops. So, conference finals are set. Hawks as the. Fifth. Five seed yeah. taking on the Bucks as the three seed. Yeah, that's fun. And then in the West, it's the Suns as the two against the Clippers as the four. Were they the yeah, four? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Who you like coming out of those series? Um, if if the Suns get Chris Paul back, I, I like the Suns. Okay, I agree. Yeah, I, I think Devin Booker is a lot of fun to watch. He is. He is absolutely. I just I, I'm not that interested in the Eastern Conference series, the Bucks and Hawks. That yeah. just doesn't grab my attention. Yeah, Milwaukee versus Atlanta. Yeah, and you know the NBA execs are like deeply disappointed to have lost <laughs> the Nets because you lose a New York, New Jersey media market. Oh yeah. I mean, Milwaukee and Atlanta are pretty small markets nationally, and they don't tend to have huge followers, especially Atlanta. No, mm-hmm. no one's a Hawks fan except for people in Atlanta and around. Yeah, some Bucks fans, maybe because of Giannis. Maybe, maybe. it's a small market, or at though. least it's people who are like, "I want to watch Giannis play." Yeah, yeah. Although I think people have seen Giannis play now. Yeah, you know, he's been around what five, six years. Yeah, and he's I, he strikes me as just so one dimensional. Mm-hmm. He's not a he can't shoot a jump shot to save his life. He's not been good at the free throw line. And it's if he can't like get a, a little bit of a running start and just bully you, he's just kind of like, eh. 
Although what he does, he, he, he is, is very good he's at. He's amazing at what he does, but he's very limited. Sure, you sure. I, I, I hear you. Which um, to me makes it less enjoyable to watch. Like part of what's fun about watching a guy like KD is he can beat you with um, – you know, he can beat you with his mid-range game. He can post up a little bit. He can beat you from the three-point line. He can attack the rim. Like he has a wide sure. range of things he can do. Giannis is a one-trick pony. Mm-hmm. And once you've seen that trick a few times, you're like, is that all you got? Not, not not especially exciting. It is the – I mean it is the small market you know, NBA finals regardless of what happens. You could say the Clippers. I mean they do play in LA. Yeah. But they are – it's LA light. I mean let's be real. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think the league office might be – would probably be more likely to root for the Suns because their brand of basketball is more entertaining. Oh, yeah. It's fast-paced. They have a new star – New star in the sense of like nationally, Devin Booker, uh, Chris Paul, you know, a, a big enough name. I mean, especially from the State Farm commercials and stuff. So oh, like yeah. He's a national figure. Mm-hmm. So um, my guess is that if you asked um, Adam Silver privately, who would you prefer? He might go with the Suns over the Clippers. Who would he want coming out of the East? Who would Adam Silver want coming out of the East between the between the Bucks oh, and the Hawks? Man. The Hawks, are, they have that young star in Trey Young. Trey Young, yeah. I don't know. Maybe Trey Young? Cinderella story, brash player, loves the energy of the crowd, loves to be hated. I mean, he's he's Reggie Miller 2.0 in that sense of like. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I feed, yeah. I feed on the hatred of the crowd. Mm-hmm. So uh, quickly onto the, onto the Mets here. What's going on? Uh, three or four from the Cubs this week, and then we lost three or four from the Nationals this weekend. So kind so, of a wash. Yeah, it's a big week. So we had a doubleheader Saturday. We have a doubleheader tonight. I think we have a doubleheader Wednesday or Thursday. So we just have a lot of games going on. Yeah. And other games the other days of those weeks too. Sure. So there's sure. just a lot going on. We're still in first place by four games. Yeah. Speaking of a lot going on, <laughs> there's just a lot going on in this building right now. Yeah, I'm a little nervous our listeners can hear it. We do have a demon class. Yeah. Not a demon class, but but a doctorate of ministry class, demon yes. class. Yes. I know you D know that. period M-I-N. Yes. Um, going on across the hall and uh, they're on break and seemingly on break and quite, quite loud. Yeah. Like yeah. imagine getting 22 pastors together and you have a group of people talking loudly. Yeah. That's a, that's a – Well, and um, – That's a weird thing. We're also recording at, at four in the afternoon on Monday, which we never do. No, no. We, so we feel just off our game, I think. There, there, was a, there was a period of time where we were recording at like one in the afternoon and yep. even that felt hard. Yeah. Like we were, we were ah, struggling. Four feels – Wild. Although I get to go home after this. So, yeah. You know, yeah. There, there's that. Yeah, indeed. So now that we've made our excuses for the potential poor quality of this episode, we uh, are we ready to move on to talk about Jesus the Great Philosopher? <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> okay. So these chapters were focused on relationships. And so, um, you know, the, the initial chapter deals with um, – how ancient philosophy talked about different relationships mm-hmm. and then Christianity's uh, alternative to those. So what were some things that kind of caught your attention in reading through that? Um, well, he he focused partic- in relationships on friendship in mm-hmm. particular, something you and I have talked about on this pod before. Yeah. And I think a good conversation that we'll probably come back to again as we 
read a good article or see a good book. Um, but I, I thought his um, the the necessity of friendship for flourishing. Uh, I, th- I think is a not often talked about point that needs to be talked about more. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, you're right that we've definitely uh, talked about that on the pod, but it just seems like it's an it's an issue and a topic that our contemporary culture does so poorly at that it's worth cycling back to. And I think, you know, at one level, you know, I, like I'm just thinking sometimes you'll get asked, um, oh, so you know so-and-so. Are you guys friends? Like, so you're friends with so-and-so and you think, okay, well, how do I, I, I wrestle even with, how do I define that? Yeah. Like, where do I draw the line between like, I know that person and they're a friend. And then of course you have the, the social media concept of a Facebook friend. Not me. Mine's yeah, gone. Yours is gone. Some benevolent person hacked my Facebook account and I'm, deleted it for me. I'm sure benevolent is definitely <laughs> definitely right. Um, but, you know, like to call some – like uh, where do you draw that line of even just – is that person a friend or acquaintance? I mean is that even a, a meaningful distinction? I think it is. I mean mm-hmm. but um, – and we've talked also about the fact that the guys in particular tend to be pretty poor at friendship in in a lot of respects. Yeah, and I I, th- I think part of that is in in the ancient world like like Plato, Socrates, the, these guys, friendship was like the social safety net. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no welfare system. There was no four hundred one k to fall back on. You know, you know, yeah. friendship was who took care of you when when things really hit the fan. Right, and. Uh, and we don't have that today, you know. Like, like if things, if if I lose my job and, and these other things, well, I have a string of things I can fall back on. Mm-hmm. Um, same, same for you. And and we yeah. don't necessarily we we feel a lack of that need for friendship. I think from time to time. Yeah, he uh, Pennington has a nice section in here on uh, on Aristotle's threefold classification of types of friendship. This is on uh, one forty eight. Yeah, and one forty nine. I did like this. Yeah. Friendships of utility, in other words, relationships based on need or help given to another, kind of the lowest level of friendship. Sure. Uh, Friendships of pleasure, mutual enjoyment of each other with shared values and interests. And then friendships of virtue, love and concern for the other's welfare, focusing on what one can give more than receive. And you think it's really that last category that captures the idea of biblical Love and fellowship. When you mm-hmm. when you really get down to it, yeah, that's that's self sacrificial uh, sort of yeah. nature. Yeah. yeah, interest in 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 the uh, the flourishing of others mm-hmm. more so even than your own. Um, but it is it is interesting. Like so, there's the chapter on the ancient world and their philosophy in, in terms of relationships and focusing on friendship, and then Pennington moves on to the New Testament, and it is striking that there's um, not a ton of explicit friendship language. In the New Testament, like explicit. Yeah. I mean, I think there are elements of that to be sure. Um, but I mean, there, you know, Jesus does say to his disciples that he calls them, you know, you are my friends. Yeah. And that that's a loaded term and not just – I think we miss the import of that sometimes because of the devaluing of that term in our current context. Yeah. It's really the Old Testament that seems to talk more about friendship or – Although the word friendship in the Old Testament gets a little quirky between that mm-hmm. and neighbor. Um, yeah. 
But even – I mean you think about uh, – I mean this is a common feature. In, like our culture just doesn't have great categories for friendship that helps it understand even a relationship like David and Jonathan in the Old Testament. Yeah. That it's sort of this go-to of, oh, well, see, they were they were clearly romantically interested in each other. This is yeah, an example yeah. of, a, a, oh, yeah. of two gay men or two homosexual men. And this is, you know, sort of a classic move that some interpreters want to go with to say, see, they say that they that, that their love for each other was sweeter than the love of women. And we just be, because everything has become erotic in that sense, that that, that there's just no category for it. That doesn't mean that they were romantically interested in each other. Yeah. I, so I have a little thing that I do on friendship. I, I pull it out every few years and teach it here to, to students on campus when I when I have a chance to do a, a standalone. And one of the things we talk about is is we don't have good categories for friendship, like you're saying, because we've taken any sort of intimacy, care, mm-hmm. and love and sexualized it. Yeah. And uh, where there is intimacy between males, it must be sexual. That, yeah. that, that's sort of the uh, uh, the landing spot. Same thing happened with uh, Alexander Hamilton. Um, he had – there are letters his family will not release uh, to biographers mm-hmm. uh, because of some of the intimacy language that's yeah. found in that. And they want to they drum it up to mean something else when it – right. I think it's probably – my goodness, these are probably just intimate male friendships. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So – um, so two very good chapters on that. Uh, next week we'll discuss. Uh, is that right? Yeah, next week. Next week's the wait. Are we doing the? Is next week the interview with Pennington? Are we? Are we, are we, are we no, we're releasing that around July fourth, aren't we? So yeah, we have, yeah. So we're gonna do. T- that's right. We're gonna do two. F- we're gonna finish off the chapters. Yes. So next week we will do the last two chapters, and then the following week we'll release the. And then the following week we will release the there interview we go. with 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 Pennington. So yeah, you know, lack of show prep there coming to the surface, but that's all right. You know, you, to our listeners, I say you get what you pay for. Yeah, and yeah. so that's that's. And what if you want to pay for more. You'll probably get the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We haven't figured out a way to monetize the podcast yet, but we'll, we'll work on it. I mean, we we tried with the book links thing. That that did not pan out for us. Yeah, y'all aren't buying enough books. So. Um, I've thought about you know Audible will do a free sub. You know, uh, you can put something in your show notes mm-hmm. from Audible, and if people yeah. sign up, you get free stuff. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, in any case, our main topic for this week is uh, we're going to talk about the growth of global Christianity. And, and John, why are we talking about this? Yeah. Um, well, as we've alluded to before, um, our, we sit down, what, probably quarterly and just brainstorm ideas. And my strategy in those meetings is just take everything that's on my mind, throw it against the wall for you, <laughs> see, see what sticks. And, uh, and this is one of the things I think as we were talking about, I was prepping for my history of Christianity class. Uh, and one of the things we cover in there is that um, Christianity, for the for the most part, partly to do with uh, Islam growing and, and uh, moving throughout Africa and uh, throughout the Middle East, Christianity grew into Europe uh, and then eventually to, to North America. Um, well, now we're seeing Christianity do more growth back in the Middle East, uh, all throughout Asia, Africa, and South America more. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking uh, – so – we're talking about that. What challenges are there? What yeah. opportunities are there? I mean, obviously, this is a very exciting thing for the gospel to go forward. Yeah, um, in cultures that aren't like ours, which is which mm-hmm. is pretty exciting. Yes, yeah, and 
one of the challenges that it certainly creates is uh, getting remotely accurate data on something like this, yes. right? I mean, oh, absolutely. And, and you know, so we've done. We 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 have a uh, a couple of sources that we've kind of looked at to uh, figure that out, but you know, when you get these sort of large scale representations, uh, I think it's important for us to to put the caveat caveat up front that in some of these some of the data we're about to share, there are people that would be classified as Christians mm-hmm. that you and I would say. I do not believe that you are genuinely converted and a born again Christian. That you are Christian in some looser sense, but you know, often, you, oftentimes these these this data doesn't distinguish that out. Even even the word Protestant, yeah. Um, there there are large sections of Protestantism where I'm yeah. like, you ain't in it. Yeah, you know, you know. Um, <laughs> yep. And uh, yeah, and you're one of the goats, not the sheep. Yeah, and you're. And I think one of the problems, and we're talking about health and wealth gospel, I think, right? That's, that's one one aspect. Yeah, sure. and, and I think one of the issues with them is they're they're exporting a lot of that sure. to, to Africa, parts of Asia, yeah. um, and that, I, I find it to be a real problem. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't we why don't we talk a little bit about um, why don't we go to the numbers? Let's let's go to okay. the numbers here, and then we'll circle back around and and and. And talk a little bit more about some of the implications and and opportunities and and threats and stuff like that. So, so um, just just for reference, I pull this from uh, oh goodness, uh, Turning Points by Mark Knoll. So mm-hmm. this is where I got this chart from. And so that's probably now ten years ago. So yeah, I mean the, the the specific numbers are going to be out of date in that sense. Though I guess. I, he does have it from 1900, 1970, 1997. So a little the, – the actual numbers. But the trend has continued. Yeah. So yeah. even if the specific numbers are a little out of date. So uh, I think it might be helpful. Um, I always pair this with world population mm-hmm. uh, numbers as well because I think it's it's interesting to watch those trends kind of co- kind of go together. Yep. Um, but uh, the world population – so the number – the years will be 1900, 1970, 97. Yeah. 1997. Um, the world population at that time, uh, 1900, we had uh, 1.6 billion people on the planet. Isn't that crazy to think? What is that? Like that's the population uh, population of China now practically, isn't practically, it? Practically, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 1970, uh, 3.6 billion, which, which if you watch uh, the uh, – one of the most recent Marvel movies where the guy – eliminates half the world's population, that's the number we'd get to right now. Yeah. It'd be nineteen seventy. Yeah. Which doesn't feel like that big of a setback, <laughs> truthfully. Anyway. Um so you're just you're just willing to wipe out three point six billion people and say I'm just not a huge setback. I am just saying <laughs> in that movie it was sold as this big thing that was happening and it's maybe not as big as he thinks it is. Anyway <laughs> Um, not that I'm arguing with a superhero character that doesn't exist. Um, uh, and then in 97, uh, it was 5.8 billion. And obviously, I, be- I believe we're in the 7 billion range now. I think pushing eight. Somewhere. Pushing eight. Yeah, right around there. OK. So, OK. So that gives us a, a, a framework here. Let's talk okay. some of the more – we don't have to go through every number on this, but like – Well, why don't, why don't we do Catholic and Protestant? Those are the two okay. uh, biggest numbers. Uh, Catholic, 1900. Uh, 266 million uh, people. Okay. 1970, uh, 689 million people. 
Uh, and then uh, 97, 992 million people. Mm-hmm. So, so pushing a billion there. Yeah. Um, anything surprising or any, anything no. that sticks out? Okay. I think it's straightforward. Uh, Protestant, uh, 134 million in 1900. Uh, 288 million in 1970, and 426 million in 1997. Yeah, thoughts? Um, yeah, you know, maybe in some ways, I, I guess that's only 27 years. Um, maybe I would have expected slightly more under the in 1997 on the Protestant category, hmm. but uh, especially with, I feel like there's been a, a huge push in missions. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's still obviously significant growth. So I do bring this up in class in light of uh, oh goodness, uh, the the missionary conference in Edinburgh in 1910, mm-hmm. where there's a there's a push from a very ecumenical group to say we need more missionaries out there, mm-hmm. um, and and I show this chart to be just like were we successful? You know, w- w- was this a good trend? Was this yeah. the right move in 1910? Um, yeah. Obviously, a couple world wars. <laughs> Those kind of get in the way a little bit. Threw some wrenches into this, yeah. but um, I, I still think there, there's good that's going on in the world through uh, missions, and, yeah. and I think 1910 really kicked off some of that. Yeah, I think uh, it's kind of circling back to your to your earlier observation. It's this is where it is important, and I want to spend a little bit time a bit of time talking more about this to really understand and grapple with the reality that the growth in Christianity is coming from, as you noted earlier, Africa, Asia, Mm -hmm. and um, South America, and Mm -hmm. even Latin America. And so it's – I think it's fair to say that the the global uh, center of gravity of Christianity – has either already shifted or is about to. I mean, I think it's already shifted essentially. Sure. When it comes to just sheer numbers of yeah. where are you going to find the most Christians? It's not North America and Europe. It's in places like Africa and South America mm-hmm. and Asia, etc. And so I think that um, that that's something that we as as believers in America I think we need to think through that a little bit. I think Mm -hmm. we need to recognize that. And um, one of the things that is helpful to to take away from that is living in the cultural moment that we are, Mm -hmm. there are a lot – well, maybe that's too strong a term. There's a – there's – there's a portion of the of of believers in the American church. Let's put it that way. A portion. I'll I'll let our re, our listeners determine whether it's a lot or not. In my view, too many. We'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Who have this? The sky is falling, and this is the end of Christianity based on political and cultural concerns. Sure. Here in the United States, and even if you want to extrapolate it out to, um, you know, Europe and sure, you know. Uh, UK, Canada, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that that it is presented as if we don't if we don't fix things in this location, Christianity's done. <laughs> Christianity's done. Yeah, 
And well, you know, when Christianity was founded, it was founded to be embedded in a, in a particular dem- sure. democratic. Yeah, uh, <laughs> absolutely. And you know, we don't talk politics on this show, uh, and we won't. <laughs> but th- there just seems to be this uh, segment of the American church that is so American focused mm-hmm. that it loses sight of the growth of Christianity around the world. And in essence, what it seems like those people are actually lamenting is the loss of the primacy of the American church within world Christianity. Yeah. That's what is probably a more accurate thing to say, this is what you're lamenting. Yeah. Because Christianity, the gospel is not going to be stopped by the, by the collapse of the, of, of the United States, even if that's what, ha- what happens. Like, sure. Let's say everything that you fear is going to happen. That doesn't mean God's like, uh oh, now what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, let's let's say that scenario happens. I imagine Sunday morning we're still going to try to get together for church. Yeah, you know, yeah, like we'll, we'll figure and, something and we'll, out. We'll figure something out, even if it's, you know, fifteen of us in somebody's house or yeah. backyard or you yeah. know something like that. We're we're going to find a way to meet. Yeah, uh, we're going to find a way to worship. We're going to find a way to practice the the, uh, the ordinances and mm-hmm. uh, and and preach and sing. Yeah. And I think here here's a here's a, a question that might be more interesting to maybe you and me because we are in theological education. Yeah. But what do you think some of the implications of that should be for us in the American context of theological education? I've I've thought about that a ton. I don't know that I have excellent answers other than we have to strategize a way to get more resources uh, to um, to Africa, to uh, to Asia, in order to to develop them. W- one of the things, so I I have the opportunity of going to uh, Taiwan uh, on mm-hmm. most spring breaks, uh, except well the last, until last year. <laughs> yeah, except the last two, um, and maybe the next one. I don't I don't know, but uh, but one thing is they just don't have a from what I understand, and I don't read Chinese or anything, they don't have a good translation. <laughs> like the the ESV, from what I understand, has not been translated into Chinese. Uh, and, and that's a problem when I think one out of four people on the planet <laughs> speaks Chinese. Yeah. Um, well, we, and even e- – e- I mean that, that's foundational, a, a solid translation. Yeah. But even thinking about – so the pastors who are leading these churches and congregations around the world – what kind of theological education are they getting? Well, and I was thinking we had – so our, our fellowship of churches that the school's affiliated with, um, its largest growth isn't in North America. It's in uh, African countries. Mm-hmm. And I remember when pastors were coming here and, and basically just saying, we need partners. We, we need resources yeah. um, to, to come our way. Yep. Uh, and they're 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 just planting churches, and these pastors have Bibles, and that that's wonderful. Don't get don't get me wrong, but and foundational, and, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, we got to export some sort of training to them, and I think the internet can help us with some of those things. Yeah, absolutely, I I you know I for some of those more remote places, maybe even a correspondence course. I mean, really dig up the '90s here, and there you uh, go. and uh, send those out there may even be more helpful. Absolutely. What, what, are, what are your thoughts? I mean, have you done much thinking about this? I agree. I think um, we in the in the American context probably need to be uh, 
uh, thinking about more creative ways to try to get resources in people's hands and probably be more proactive about going to those kind of places mm. and helping to train. I'm not saying that all of us as American professors should abandon our seminaries and 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 go to seminaries overseas. I'm not saying sure. that. Sure. But, you know, a lot can be accomplished if you get to get if you strategically, you know, hold a a one-week sort of training center in a, a sort of geographically strategic area and get find a way to get pastors to to come for a week and even help subsidize their their travel costs and all oh, yeah. that kind of stuff. So I think there are some of those things. But uh, the internet does open some options that weren't there you know, 25 years ago really when it comes to theological education. Um, but I also think this is where we as Americans just need to get on board <laughs> that we can be so American-centered that we end up uh, um, chafing at um, – the the uh, the leadership of others, mm-hmm. as if well, sure these but these initiatives surely should be led by Americans still. Why? Yeah. <laughs> why? Why why can't we have someone from Africa leading that initiative, or why can't we have someone from South America leading that initiative? Kind of thing. So. Yeah, I, I think this is a topic that needs a lot more. <laughs> yeah, there's more re- we could reflection say. and thought, sure. but I I think. Uh, we are we are running short on time here. Yeah. So do, do you want to move on? I think we we should. Yes. Time okay. to go to our athlete. Okay. Um, do you want me to read through these? Yeah. Why not? Okay. Uh, athletes. Uh, Red Grange. Are you familiar with this? I'm name? not. No. It's sort of classic. I mean, he's like from the like 30s, like 20s and 30s, like, like at the leather pop- helmet yeah. sort of era, and was maybe even better known for his days at the University of Illinois as sort of a classic. Football player, halfback. Um, yeah, we're we're going way old school. Okay, um, Lyle Alzado. El- Alzado. Alzado. You know this name either? No. Yeah, defensive. Oh, he played t- in the nineties. Defensive. Uh, well, to the nineties. To the nineties. Okay. Yeah, like seventy-one to ninety. Played for the Broncos, Raiders, Browns. Just sort of a crazy uh, defensive lineman. Man. Okay. Ray Bork. I yeah. know that one. Yep. Yep, defenseman, uh, Bruins and Avalanche, and apparently holds the career records for goals and assists for a defenseman. So yeah, and then uh, your Ohio State. Yeah, so Ohio State. Rob Sims was a guard on the from two thousand two to two thousand five. Was on their uh, national championship team there as well. So who you got, John? Oh my goodness. Um, well, I, I'm I'm always drawn to the ones that I know. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so I, I naturally am thinking Ray Bork, uh, partly because I like the way he spells his last name. Yeah, B O U R Q U E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, kind of, kind of that classic. What is that yeah. French spelling? I, sure, I, I think so. He's probably Canadian. Anyway, yeah. Um, that would be my choice. What about yourself? I'm good with that. It's okay. a great name. Yeah, it is a wonderful and name. It, it breaks the the. You know, we we've had a string of of football players, so yeah. it kind of helps break that up a little bit. So. Ray Bork it is. Ray Bork it is? Yes. On to one thing you liked. Okay. So Andrew and I have been watching this television show that I recently learned was turned into a – what book was turned into a television show. Yeah. Uh, it's a trilogy of books. I'm in the first book right now. So both the book and the TV show, I would recommend. Um, the TV show is called 
wayward pines, and it's sort of like this mystery town that's going on here. Mm-hmm. The first book in the trilogy is just called Pines. It's by Blake Crouch, I think. Okay. But really, really interesting story, and uh, and uh, I, I think the payoff is pretty good. Okay. How about yourself? Yeah, so mine's going to take a little bit of explanation, but uh, my son Jake and I uh, helped out at a basketball clinic this past Friday, hmm. which is you know might not sound like much, but there's a little backstory to it. So when Jake was, um, he probably would have been, I guess, 10, 11 in that range, his favorite basketball player in the world was Aaron Kraft. Okay. Ohio State. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember this. And um, through a mutual connection, um, uh, Jake wrote, hand wrote a, a, a letter to Aaron. At what age? He was probably 10 or 11 okay. in that ballpark. And uh, this personal connection promised to pass this on to Aaron mm-hmm. and largely suggested he'll probably be kind enough to, to write you back. Okay. It never happened. Uh, Aaron never responded. So um, now flash forward to a couple weeks ago. We're at a wedding and um, I see across the room this guy that I have not seen in person in 27 years at this wedding who is on staff with Athletes in Action. We were – Was this the same wedding I was at? Yes. Oh, okay. We – uh, were in Albania in 1994 together. Wow. Yes. So now he's with Athletes in Action. Okay, cool. And we're chatting with him and mentioning – Christian athletic group. Yes, Athletes, Athletes in, in Action. Action. It's yeah. a branch of Crew, Campus Crusade okay. for Christ. Okay, And so we're chatting with him and he's mentioning that he uh, actually works with um, several prominent athletes obviously. And so one of them was Aaron Kraft. And so – we're like, that's funny. Our son Jake, when he was a kid, was a huge Aaron Kraft fan mm-hmm. and still is. Actually, we had him write a letter to Aaron and Aaron never responded back. And so we just kind of laughed about, ah, ha, ha, that's kind of funny. And so this uh, acquaintance says, well, um, I'm running a basketball clinic this Friday, like less than a week from now. And Aaron Kraft is going to be the main guy there. Um, would you, would Jake want to come and work that camp with Aaron? Oh my goodness! And so we're like, uh, yeah. So this past Friday, we got to work a basketball clinic with uh, Aaron Kraft and also one of his uh, former Ohio State teammates as well, Dallas Lauderdale. Oh, great name! Great name. Six nine. Get this. His wingspan seven six. Wow. Freakishly long arms. Knuckles, dragon. Yeah, huh? totally, totally. Hmm. So um, so we got to work this camp all day with Aaron and Dallas. And then there was a, a, a gap in the afternoon where we just got to hang out with them at a house in, in, in as we were waiting for this evening event that they were doing to share the gospel and talk about their experience oh, cool. at Ohio State. Where, where was it at? Was it in Ohio? It was in Ohio. Was okay. Yeah. Very so, cool. So a lot of fun, took some pictures and like – like very Aaron's Aaron's a seems like a very down to earth guy. Like showed legitimate interest in 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 both me and Jake and what we were doing. And oh, so, very cool. Yeah, just a he's a good dude. So is uh, he coming out to Grace at any time or like like working on it? Okay, okay. Got <laughs> got to do the slow roll. Here. JV coach. What are we, what are we talking? <laughs> he's in medical school at Ohio <laughs> State, so he's a little busy. 
Okay, well, fine, you yeah. know? So, <laughs> so that was my one thing I liked this week. That's awesome. Yeah, so well, we got to land this plane here. We've talked NBA playoffs. We've talked friendship from Jesus, the great philosopher. We've talked the growth of global Christianity. And we have um, talked athletes. We've talked um, Ray Bork. Ray Bork. Big fans. We've talked uh, Wayward Pines. We've talked Aaron Kraft. And so now I think we're ready to call Mission Accomplished. And so all that's left to say is that until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.